Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. I have Brooke. Brooke, how are you? I am really good. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So thank you for having me. What are you excited about? I just, I love the topics that we're going to talk about. Um, I love having interesting, deep, challenging conversations with people who are like on my wavelength. It just like I could do that. I could do it for a job. It's actually what I do for a job. So strangely <laughs> enough, that is what we do. Here we are. <laughs> well, prepare to be challenged. I have known to challenge a person or two in my time. Um, Brooke and I just started talking about this morning. I went to the gym. It's my last training session in South Australia. And I'm not normally, once upon a time, I was a morning trainer, but I'm not normally a morning trainer. And so this morning I made the effort. I got out of bed. I had my breakfast and I was like, yes, I can do this. And honestly, it wasn't a great training session. And I was like, you know what, Brooke, this is a great place to start. And you kind of said the same that you used to be a morning trainer and now you're not. What? What changed for you? It was, it was a long journey, right? Um, so I, my whole entire life, I was a 6 a.m. training person. Get up. Initially, I didn't eat when I was a lot younger. <laughs> Get up, go and train on empty stomach. And then I learned to eat a little bit and notice the difference from that. But then I was really heavily into um, CrossFit and competing at quite a high level. This is over a decade ago. Where were and- you training, can I ask? Yeah, CrossFit Active. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome gym, amazing coaches. And we were really, um, we had a very competitive gym. So I was lucky that that's the gym that I ended up in because it really nurtured me to be able to do as well as I did with it. Um, but I, for a while, I'd been having these intuitions that I didn't want to do this anymore. And it took a while for me to actually you know, make the call and take the steps because at that point it had become my entire life. It's your um, identity. Massive identity. And that was the hardest thing. community. It's who you are. It's all of the things. Yeah. yeah. I trained there. I worked there. Like it was my family, right? We spent so much time together, amazing people. And literally overnight it was like, oh, wow, that part of my life is gone. And I was happy for it to have gone. Um, but I hadn't created a new identity. So it was really unsettling. But the part around the gym was, I had burnt myself so much that when I left there, I physically couldn't set foot in a gym for two years. Like I had a physical we reaction. We have such a crossover story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is someone like I've spent my lifetime playing a million sports at once in, in gym since I was 15 years old and I, I physically couldn't do it, you know. Um, so And so I didn't force it. I just ate bread, drank wine, did some yoga. It was great. I had a great time. And it took me, even after those two years, it took me quite a few years to be able to get back in a routine and to find what worked for me. And uh, and then COVID happened, so that was crazy. But anyway, I ended up back in a routine and I, just because of my life routine, wasn't training first thing in the morning. I was training um, during the day or later in the day sometime. And I just started to realise like how much better I felt when I had a couple of meals within me, when my body had been awake for a little while, uh, when I didn't have to rely on caffeine to get into the gym. And I had an experience earlier in the year where I had to train early in the morning and it wasn't a 6am training. It was like 8, 8.30. So I'd still eaten, <clears throat> thought I was going to be fine. And it sucked. I was so weak. It felt so hard. Such and an I was ego here. The rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh my God. And I was wrecked for the rest of the day, you know, and I, 
I know the things to do. So I eat before I eat after I know how to support my body. But the reality is it just, it doesn't work that well. <laughs> first no. thing in the morning. And it's and like, I, we're not saying like that this is everyone can't train in the morning. This yeah. is just the experience of two women who have found out what works for them. Yeah. And that's the thing. You've got to know what works for you. And if someone had said that to me 15 years ago, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Like I do PBs in the morning. I'm a fucking CrossFit champion in the morning. Like I'm fine, you know. (laughs) I'm a fucking CrossFit champion in the morning. (laughs) Um, But now having experienced the other, it's like, oh, wow. Like it is so much easier. I'm so much stronger. I'm so much faster. It's so much easier to recover when it's a little later in the day and my body has more resources that I've put in it to be able to support that. And it's even on that, like I, it's not, when you say the resources that you put in it, you're not just talking about food, are you? No. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like people are going to be like, right, need to eat more. I need to like focus more. It's not just about the nutrition. Yeah. Um, we're going to start the, at the end of this. Like I've got my notes here. I sent you my notes and I kind of want to back this, start from the bottom of what I wanted to talk about. I love it. So you took two years off. Mm-hmm. I was 2020 for me. When 2020 happened, I was like, I don't need to be in the gym anymore. This is my time out. And I've yeah. just found my groove again. Um, how long do you think it takes for a woman to really come to understand her body and come to understand the path she's on and where she wants to go with it. You know, you talked about this change in identity, like when you're really in something and you're, I call it ticking the box. Like if you're going to the gym so many times or you're doing your steps or whatever, yep, you've ticked the exercise box, you've ticked the eight hour sleep box, like it becomes your identity. So how long does it really take for a woman to get to know her body and transition into knowing she's on the right path? Uh, when I first heard that question in the answer and the truth is a lifetime yeah. because we're not stagnant. Ooh. We change, you know, and this is humans in general are not stagnant, but females especially, we're cyclical and not just monthly. Like, yes, we have our monthly cycle that we want to be aware of because four very distinct phases that impact everything, but our life is cyclical as well. So I knew my body as a 30-year-old CrossFitter, right? Um, and I know my body now as a 43-year-old woman who doesn't do CrossFit or anywhere, anything anywhere like that. Um, and it's, it's a completely different knowing. And the things that that body needs are very different. It's like, yes, okay, I need food, I need sunshine, I need sleep. But the nuances of those change. And mm-hmm. so it is a lifetime thing, but... <clears throat> Um, I don't know how to phrase this. It's So it's lifetime in the sense that you have to constantly refine as your age changes, as your life stages change, as your values change, as your identity changes. Um, but in each one of those, let's say, stages, you can learn that. Um, I think you get to learn it quicker the more you've been on the path. But if you're fully like just starting out and I'm thinking, when I went from being pretty unconscious, like doing what I was told I had to do in order to look a certain way, to actually learning about what I needed and then putting that into practice and having an embodied experience of what those things felt like and how they um, landed for me, it's 
I feel like you want to give it a year, a good year, a good year, right? Like, and that's, you learn the things, you're putting them into practice and you're being consistent. It's not about being perfect because you've got to live a life and be real, but consistently putting the things in place that you know make a difference and just staying in that consistency for a period of time and then having that feedback over time because especially if you're at the start of this whole process, you're probably coming from some pretty bad habits like I did, like you did, and not a lot of those have bad habits may not have been consciously chosen. Like you didn't choose them because they were bad. It's just they were poor oh, for me. We're, off, we're often chasing health. We're doing the things that we yeah. are told are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. We just have been told the wrong things. That's all. <laughs> um, <laughs> or maybe the things that let's say quote unquote right, but they don't actually fit for the life that we live. Well, that's it. I, like we don't, it's not that they're unhealthy, but we haven't been given the tools to use as a measuring stick as to if it is for us or not, or if it can be for us, how do we need to support our body in it? So we don't have that measuring stick to be able to read that. Yeah. Or even not to know how to tweak it. Yeah. Because it's a matter of, yes, here's the ideal, but then what needs to change so that it's something that fits into my life and the way I want to live my life. And it actually works for me. Like what are those little tweaks as opposed to, it's this black and white thing of you have to do this and you have to do that. It's like, what are those nuances? Yeah. Mm. So part of that is, you know, part of learning the cycles that we as a woman go through. When you look at how you were training and living at 30 as opposed to now at 43, are you aiming for the same thing? Like what oh, was your, no. <laughs> what was oh, your main no. goal and how did you know, like, yeah, how did you know how to change that? Um. It was a big, a really big inner journey for me. And it's that, um, so when I was, say, 30, uh, my main goal was to look hot. Let's <laughs> be real. And to also be the best. So that was right in the middle of my competing years. Um, and I was really driven by deep, deep trauma to be the best. Um, and that actually it paid off in the sense that it, it allowed me to basically override my body and push far beyond what, um, not beyond what my body was capable of because I did it, but beyond what I guess was honoring of my body yeah. and what you needed. Yeah. Um, so embodied was, was the word that you just used before, like really embodied. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't at 30, you know, I wasn't at all. Um, and the funny thing is, from an external point of view, I did look hot. Like, I had the best body I've ever had. Like, I was constantly giving. Please, you still look hot. <laughs> well, thank you. No, and, and But the thing is, I actually feel that now. Yeah. And it's very different. My body is very different. Like, I don't have the six-pack anymore. I don't have, like, I am still have a fair bit of muscle and I'm, I'm relatively lean. But it is a different body. But the difference is that. I'm, I don't equate my worth to that now. Whereas back then, like, and I was so disembodied back then, people would always comment on my body and I couldn't receive it. And I was always like, they'd give me a compliment and I'd go, oh no. And I'd point out a flaw that no one could fucking see because it was so tiny. Um, But there was never, I was never happy. I was never satisfied. I was always not good enough, not worthy enough, need to do more, um, And so really coming from that place of lack, I was taking a lot of action that was really detrimental to my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health. Whereas now, like it's completely different. Like I train in a such a completely different way. I train way less than I ever have. 
I'm much more gentle with myself. I'm more accepting of my body. I still want to look good. Like we're women in this world. We want to look good, right? Absolutely. (laughs) And also for me, it's like looking good. It's reflective of health as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we're carrying a lot of extra weight, if we're always looking really tired, if we're withdrawn, we're lacking a level of health. And that really is the priority for me now. It's more about what's happening internally on the physical level, but on the mental level, on the emotional level, and how healthy am I on those levels? How good am I feeling within and about myself rather than how good do I look? Because I know that when I feel really good within and about myself, I look fucking good. Like I look as good as I'm going to look. And my attachment to how I look is a lot less anyway because I'm like, oh, I can feel amazing. That's a really valid point, the attachment. We um, call it radiance inside her advantage. You know, mm. if you look at um, Zoe Foster-Blake, if you look at Lizzo, if you look at Idis Apfel, I don't know if you know who that is. Love, love Idis. Yeah. Right? Like if you compare those three women though, they're all fucking glorious. Yeah. But they're different shapes, different sizes, different ages, different colours. And what's the thing about them? They're fucking radiant. They know who they are and they portray that. Yeah. Yeah, they're not trying to fit into a box of someone else's ideal. There is this acceptance of self and, like, really being grounded in themselves and just being like, and this is it. Yeah, absolutely. So part two of that question, so how long does it take a woman to really get to know her body and know she's on the right path? Most women are chasing that aesthetic, like we want to look good. And when we first start going down this path of really getting to know ourselves, really embodying what we're doing, really learning what's right for us, I think letting go of that, I don't know, maybe it's weight loss or, you know, chasing the measurements is a really hard thing to let go of at first because that's what we've been told is the, if what you're doing is the success point. And that's really hard to let go of, like really, really hard to let go of. Yeah. What is your, what's your advice or what's your comment on that part of the piece for women who are really trying their best to, again, using your language, embody the practice, really learn about their body and where they're taking it um, but and still wanting to look good in the process? Yeah. First thing I just go gently. Like you have to be so gentle with yourself, like with your this like vulnerable little heart who just wants to be loved, kind of what it comes down to, right? Um, and it is a slow process. This inner transformation takes time and it takes courage. Like we want to sit there and we want to be going on this excavation essentially and understanding like what are my beliefs about this time? Like if I, so I work a lot of, um, I work a lot with women in midlife in their forties and fifties. And it's like, so what does, what is a midlife woman? Like describe her to me. What does it mean to be a woman in her forties? What does it mean to be a woman in her fifties? What is the conditioning that you have around that? What does it mean about your worth, about your value, about your beauty? Um, and really understand all of that conditioning that's there because that's what's driving all of the behaviours. And when we can understand that murky conditioning that's there, we can then start to question it and work with it and be like, okay, so, and because when you ask those questions, the conditioning 
um, what you're coming up with is everything that we've been told over our life. Honestly, when you started asking those questions, I was like, who are the women I know in these age groups? And like all, like my mum came into my mind, my grandmother, neighbours. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. I do not resonate with those lifestyles at all. So that was really interesting when you were asking that. Yeah, yeah. Um, So we get all of that conditioning and we can start to see the picture that we have in our mind about that woman. And if we don't, and for most of us, that's not going to be a very flattering picture. It's not actually a picture that we want, which is why we're resisting against it. But it doesn't have to be that picture. So once we know what's there, we can start to go, okay, so what do you want it to mean instead? Like, who do you want to be as a woman in her 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? Who do you want to be? Paint that picture. Who is that woman? Like if she was really embodied and knew her worth and knew her power Um, knew herself like describe her to me what does that look like and do you have examples in your life of women like this so that you actually start to see that it's possible and we just start to change that narrative we start to change that internal picture and I think one of the biggest shifts is really what we're being called to do at this time is something I always talk about, it's an archetypal transition. So we're going from the the archetype of the princess, which is one who is seeking validation and approval outside of herself. So she doesn't fully know herself yet. So she is trying to mold and shape herself into things that she think will be um, approved of or acknowledged or accepted of. So it's a lot of looking outward. And then as we transition, um, through our 40s and 50s and beyond, we're being called to come into our queen archetype. And the queen there is, it's not like that, yes, queen, that like all the 30-year-olds <laughs> are talking about. It's like, no, as a 30-year-old, you are princess. Um, and that's not a negative thing. It's just that this is the energetic archetype. It's not necessarily a spoiled brat princess, but it's just, no, you're seeking approval outside of yourself. As the queen, you know yourself really deeply. You're not asking anyone else for approval or acknowledgement. You Because you've got that depth of knowledge of yourself, um, you're able to very clearly ask for what it is that you want and that you need. You don't have to prove yourself. You know your worth. So you're not trying to fit into a box. You're not trying to shape shift and change your body and think, oh, if I look this certain way, then I'm going to be more worthy or more beautiful. It's like, no, this is who I am and this is what I have to offer and this is amazing. So what just came to mind then when you were talking about the princess and the queen, have you watched The Great? No. Oh, you have to watch The Great. It's Dakota Fanning. Okay. Um, so Ellie, sorry, it's Ellie Fanning, Dakota's little sister, and yeah. she um, it's about Catherine the Great in Russia. Okay. And so when she gets married in, she's obviously this young, naive princess that's doing anything that she can to, like, impress the king. And then as the series goes on, it's hilarious. But as the series goes on, she really comes into her power and decides if I want a better Russia, this is who I need to be. This is what I need to be. And so everything that you were just talking about then just really related to that, you know, like you said, not a princess as in like um, Paris Hilton kind of princess, (laughs) (laughs) but like a real young, naive, like you said, not really sure of herself into this transition of no, this is who I am and this is how I'm asking for it. Yeah. 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 Um, but you, and even in, so I love where you've taken that and I love the, um, again, we spoke about this in the little pre-chat, you know, 
we want to talk, we all the, all the women want to talk about food and exercise and the right thing and the wrong thing to do. But this is so personal development and personal growth driven as well. And so without that understanding, the other two pieces really don't make sense, do they? No. And it's you can't. It's funny because this really mirrored my journey. So I started out as a personal trainer thinking the way to utopia, whatever, uh, <laughs> the holy grail was through the physical body. We change the physical body, everything's good. Uh, but then I realized, no, it's not because the mind is coming in and can cause sabotage or create issues. So, oh, okay, it's the it's the mind, the mental body. We've got to do that. Um, and then it's like, oh, but there's still stuff, like there's stuff going on on the energetic level, on the emotional level, on the spiritual level. And the reality is that we can't separate these parts of ourselves. We aren't just a physical body. We aren't just a brain. We aren't just an emotional body. We're all of them. And so if we're, and like it's an Eastern philosophy, they have the five bodies theory, which is those five bodies, physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and spiritual. And as far as they're concerned, true health is when all those bodies are balanced and happy and healthy. We live in the Western world that's very physical body focused. So we're all about appearance, and you can see that through the amount of diets and exercise plans and gyms that exist. But people are fatter than ever. They're unhealthier than ever. Yeah. So it's not like that's the first sign that something's off. <laughs> it's not even I was actually I'm going to stop you there for a second where I do believe that we are fatter than ever. But it's I also see it the opposite end of the spectrum. We are also starving ourselves, And it's something that yes. drives me insane is that we live in one of the most fortunate times of our life when we can actually go to the shops and purchase whatever we want. And we're choosing to restrict our food intake or, you know, whatever it is, or put a label on the fact that we don't want to eat a certain way. Like that's the epitome of crazy. I think, um, I forgot where my tangent was going. Oh yeah. Bigger than ever. Not yet, but really the most unhealthy we've ever been. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, it's a very good point. It was like we're fatter than ever, but then we're also, yeah, undernourished and some of us are skinnier than ever. Like we've got this two ends of the spectrum. We don't have a lot in the middle where Mm -hmm. we're in this place of balance and of health. Yeah. And there's so many pieces that tie into what you just said, you know, like there's a lot of us who are purposely starving ourselves and under-eating. Um, but then there's a lot, and I, so many of my clients are like this, unknowingly undereating because the conditioning that we've had for decades around as women, what we're supposed to eat, how much we're supposed to eat, all of the crazy diets and everything, plus add the stress of life and just living and juggling work, family, whatever. Um, we've just become conditioned to eating way less than we actually need. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's something that you just said as well, the both ends of the spectrum, there's not a lot in the, in the middle. That's probably also why it's so difficult for women who are on this journey or wanting to set foot on this journey to get comfortable with because they don't have anything to, like there's not a big community here yet going, hey, this is how you look when you look after your body and this is how it feels when you look after your body. Um, I know that a lot of my friends, I really struggle sometimes when I'm like, oh yeah, this is happening and they're still talking about all their digestive issues and um, period issues and all of the other kit and caboodle that comes with being over 35. Mm. Um, And there's not a lot, yeah, so there's not a lot of community here in the middle, so to speak, to connect with and relate to, to affirm that this is the right way to go. And you know what? 
you can't even say it's the right way. We're not telling you to do something different. Yeah. You want to do what you want to do. That's completely fine. But yeah, Brooke and I are here in the middle, ready to support you when you're ready. <laughs> and I think, and it's a, it's an important piece because thankfully it's shifting, which is great. So there is more people coming to this middle ground, but the noise from the both ends of the spectrum is really loud and it's been there for so long that it's drowning out the stuff that's coming through. So we need to build this middle area so much more in order to be able to compete with the noise. <laughs> you and, and I, I we're going to start a forum, like a women's um, syndicate or something called The Middle, okay? <laughs> but I love it. Yes. Yeah, we're going to call it The Middle. You, me and Courtney are the first three Yes. Um, oh, my God. So good. So, And the thing gonna is, bring like, everyone else in. totally. And the thing is, and you probably see this with the women that you speak to, we're ready for it. There yeah. is a desire for it. And and it's I think the desire has been there for a long time, but women just haven't been able to find the right avenue. So they're like realizing that, like and even if it's unconsciously, they realize that what they've been doing, it doesn't really fit anymore. But I don't know any different. So okay, well, I'm just gonna continue doing this thing or go back to this diet or this exercise or whatever it was, because I don't know another way. And the fear of judgment as well. Or if I start mm. to do something different this is what people know to be healthy. And if I just keep doing that thing, maybe it will work for me. Yeah. 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 And it's really one thing that I find so challenging, which is it's huge when it comes to the health field, but especially nutrition is there is so much, so many contradictions and so much paradox. And, and it's like, you have these two seemingly opposite ideas that are both actually true and when you don't understand that, you hear one of them and then you hear the other and you're like, no, that can't be because this is true. But what we need to get really good at and mainstream media and science is not good at this. They're very good at polarizing and they'll give you um, a very black and white statement. This is the way. That's not the way. Whereas what we want to get really good at is recognizing those paradoxes and those contradictions and going, yeah, these two things do exist and these two things can be true what's the context we always want to be asking what's the context for who in what specific situation because it's a yes you can find a person and a specific situation and a context that everything works within but is that person is that context is that specific situation relevant to you yeah or even looking at it like a sliding scale like we just talked about us as being cyclic human beings again if both things are true, maybe it's uh, not our time yet or maybe that yep. was right for us in 30 but it's not at 40, you know, mm-hmm. so finding that sliding scale of where we sit. Can you give an example of, of two pieces of advice that maybe even you use with your clients that are both true but not necessarily for the same person? Um, I told you I'd challenge you. I know. I know. I'm like, I'm sh- I know that I can. It's just, does, will my brain pull that bit of information for me right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, I might just, can we just let that one sit there? It'll percolate for me, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get one for you. Well, yeah. let's, speaking of percolation, let's talk about coffee and caffeine. Okay. <laughs> love it. Beautiful segue. And also love coffee, like delicious. Right. But... So this is something that we hear, right? Coffee is good for you. Coffee is bad for you. Don't have coffee on an empty stomach in the morning. Don't have coffee until two hours into the day. Like, again, all of these things might be true. Yeah. 
but not for the same person. Mm. Yeah. So coffee is one of those ones that we're so tied to. <laughs> Look, I don't know about you, but yeah, like I'm a single woman. I have two housemates that are both night owls. So in the morning I, and I work from home. So going to get a coffee is like my first piece of social interaction for the day. Yeah. I can absolutely live without caffeine. Yeah. My brother's a coffee roaster. Please don't tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it, for me, it's social. Yeah. Yeah, massively. And we, like, and there, there's so much tied into And it's the same with our food, right? It's not just, coffee's not just a drink and it's not just caffeine. It's uh-huh. social for some people. It's relaxation for other people. It, it's, we have these unconscious ties and associations to these things in our life, which we really want to try and understand so that we can understand our actual relationship with that thing and where it fits. Because if you've got someone where coffee is their social connection, that's the way that they get that. And we're going, okay, we're getting signs that physically coffee's not working for you. We're going to need to cut it out. If you don't understand that social connection piece, it's going to be really hard for that person. Like you're setting them up to fail yeah yeah. right um so you want to kind of understand on all those different levels but to come back just physically to coffee we just need to understand that irrespective of where it sits for you it's a really powerful metabolic stimulator so it's having a powerful impact in your body so you want to make sure that you're supporting that and and that your body has the resources to be able to handle that level of stimulation now everyone has different levels of sensitivity but i know for me for years like decades I would drink coffee and just like sweaty anxious nervous in my belly you know like clenching jaw like what I used to take drugs like just really stressy yeah and but I just didn't understand why that was the case right and just you know just kept doing it I kept overriding that and then learned to understand, okay, maybe I'm a little more sensitive to that. There was a lot of other things that came into play there for me, a lot of different stresses. So, but once I was able to look at those and then also support my body around how and when I had the coffee. So for me, coffee first thing in the morning is a hard no. Coffee on an empty stomach is a hard no. Like I need a good meal before a coffee to be able to do it. Can't have it late in the afternoon. It's going to keep me up at night. But when I do that, I don't get the sweatiness, the anxiousness, um, the clenched jaw, the yucky feeling in my belly. I don't get any of that. I can just get the nice benefit of the energy Mm -hmm. and without the detriment, right? So it's really understanding and paying attention. What are the signs your body's giving you? The bodies are talking to us all the time, right? So, and we've gotten very good at ignoring our body signs. One, I think we're just way too busy. But two, because of the stuff we've been told, we're like, oh, coffee is really good to lose weight and I want to lose weight. So I'm going to drink coffee. And even though it makes me feel like shit, this is good for the thing that I want. So I'm just going to override that and keep doing that. We want to start to pay attention and go, oh, okay, something in the way I'm doing this isn't working. It doesn't necessarily mean the thing is the wrong thing. So we don't necessarily have to cut the coffee out, but let's look at how we're doing the coffee and is there a way we can do it that's less detrimental and more supportive. I loved how you just said, you know, it's not necessarily the thing, it's how you're doing it. Yeah. And, and again, food, exercise, sleep. Everything. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to do a little bit of like a Mythbusters yes. um, thing with you. 
you can talk for as long as you like on these little things, um, okay. but just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. It's okay to skip breakfast if you're not hungry. It's <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> and we're talking about if you're getting up at five o'clock in the morning to train or you're getting up at seven o'clock in the morning to just start your day, skipping breakfast, like breakfast being that first meal of the day. It's okay to skip if you're not hungry. Yeah. For me, that's just a no. It's not okay. Um, And I'm just going to preface this by saying we work with females. So we're talking about females. Things, a lot of things can be different for a guy. We're not going down that. I'm just going to talk to females. It's not okay. We... How we start our day really sets us up for the rest of the day. And one of the root causes of hormonal imbalance within females is unstable blood sugar. And the way that that becomes, one of the ways it becomes unstable is if we go for long periods without eating, if we exercise on an empty stomach, if we have coffee on an empty stomach, um, these are like the big ways, right? So if we have been on this fast overnight, which is our natural fast, which we're designed to do, and then we wake up and we don't eat for a few hours, whether or not we exercise, our blood sugar is tanking hard. And that has a really big impact. It's actually really stressful for a female body. And the body responds by activating the stress response and releasing the stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, because it's their job, gardeners are back. It's their job to increase our blood sugar. We so can't what, hear anything. Oh, good, good, good. So what that means is instead of starting our day with fuel and nourishment from food, we're starting our day with stress hormones, which has, it can feel really good because our stress hormones are stimulatory and they take away our appetite. So this is key here of why you're waking up and you're not hungry. Very likely that you have got elevated stress hormones. Um, But when those hormones are elevated um, and especially if they're elevated chronically, has a really detrimental impact on nearly every single system within our body, especially our hormonal system. So just want to be getting that breakfast in. Like it's such an easy thing to do. Just eat breakfast. Like when you wake up within 30, 40 minutes, have breakfast. And I know. What does that look like though? If you're like, if you're not hungry and again, like I know that I speak to women who are like, I literally cannot eat breakfast. It makes me feel sick. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I understand that because I used to be the same. So absolutely it does. Um, And we start small. So we don't start from, okay, I haven't eaten breakfast for 20 years. Oh, good. Well, tomorrow you're going to have three eggs and some bacon and two pieces of toast. Like, no, that's not going to work. Freshly squeezed orange juice. Yeah. Of course you're going to feel sick. So we start really small. And what that might look like is a cup of bone broth and a piece of fruit, like something that's light, that's giving protein and carbs. So it's nice and balanced, um, but it's easy to digest and relatively easy to stomach first thing in the morning. So we just start small, get the body used to having some nutrition coming in. And what you'll find is that your body starts to respond really positive, really positively to that because it'll start to kick in your metabolism. It'll start to kick in your appetite. And over time, you're going to wake up and you're going to start to be hungry, which is how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be seeking that food. So start slowly, bone broth, piece of fruit, boiled egg and a piece of fruit, protein shake and a piece of fruit. Just make sure you're getting a little bit of protein, a little bit of carb, piece of cheese and a piece of fruit. Like whatever you're going to be out of stomach, be consistent. You're not going to want to feel like it, but we've got to think long-term. Big game, yeah. I think that's something else, you know, if we think about the women that we work with, 
the minute they wake up in the morning, their eye is on the kids, their eye is on what they've got to do for work, their eye is on what they, you know, even what they're going to wear for the day. Like their mind is already not about them and what they need. And so also part of that, okay, i got to get up and eat breakfast is allowing them to think about themselves. What do you need right in this moment? And actually acting on that, doing the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning is something for yourself. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's tricky. Like you speak to a few really important points there because there are like a lot of women, they wake up and a lot of their life is not about them. It is about the kids. It's about the family. It's about the job, whatever else. And they're very real, very real realities, (laughs) very real pressures, but you're the most important person right? You know, the whole thing, you got to put your gas mask on, not your gas mask, but your oxygen mask <laughs> on before you put someone else. Maybe Please don't put mask. anyone's gas mask on. <laughs> but the more that you give to yourself, the more you have to give to the people around you. So, and this is a big part of the mindset shift around this midlife, right? It's like, you need to start to come back to you and you need to start to be a priority in your life or your life is going to become really, really hard. I just had um, the end of year event in my coaching group and I got the women to write down 15 things that they were proud of themselves for. And I mean like proud of themselves, not like an indirect, oh, my kid did this thing. Like what are you proud of yourself for? And one of the women who has worked so hard in the last two years on building this relationship with herself and her body, um, she made this noise. And I was like, what just came up? And she's like, the first thing I wrote down was I'm proud of putting myself first. I'm like, the, yeah. all of the stuff that we've been through, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, we both, like, all of us had, like, chills and, like, tears in our eyes. Like, it was just, like, when you can say that and when say it with conviction, it is life-changing. Absolutely life-changing. And everyone around you benefits from that. Yeah. Mm. All right. You ready for myth number two? Bring it. Low carb is best for fat loss. Oh, again i'm just gonna make noises <laughs> i'm just gonna do like a reel of compilation of you grunting <laughs> all right there's so many things i could say about this but I'll, this is what i'm gonna say carbohydrates provide glucose glucose is the main source of fuel for our thyroid our thyroid is the master metabolic controller of the body so our thyroid controls the metabolism in our entire body So if you want a strong, powerful metabolism, which one of the benefits of is it's much easier for you to maintain a healthy body weight, you need to be fueling the thyroid. And that thyroid needs glucose, which comes from carbohydrates. So if you start to cut out those carbs, you're negatively impacting your thyroid and you are going to trash your metabolism over time. Yes, you will see a... um, loss on the scales you may feel a bit of a loss in your clothes initially if you go low carb what's happening is your body is dumping water because as you hold carbohydrate grams your body holds water grams so your body is dumping water that's that water weight that people talk about and you'll lose that quite quickly maybe within a couple like a week or two um but then over time if we take that out months and years you're actually causing serious damage to your thyroid and to your metabolism so it is one of the worst things that you can do for long-term health, but also long-term weight loss. Um, it's interesting though. So if we're going to skip, like scoot back to that first question, but isn't glucose sugar, right? So aren't we wanting to balance our blood sugar? Yes. 
And the way we do that is through eating carbohydrates with protein mm -hmm. that helps to balance it. And there's different ways, like there's other things as well. So um, if we just eat a lot of carbs on their own, we get a really big increase in blood sugar because carbohydrates are broken down quite quickly. Protein will slow that digestion down. So our increase in blood sugar is much more gradual and much more stable. So that really contributes to that stable blood sugar. Um, and it's important to realize that stable blood sugar is not a flat line. <laughs> blood sugar is a curve. Mm -hmm. It's always going to increase after we eat and always would decrease as time passes between meals. But we want a gradual curve as opposed to like a roller coaster. Like speed yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ready for the next one? Yeah. <laughs> Waking up at 3 a.m. is a mental stress response. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an in, uh, I'm big on semantics, right? And mm. so it's interesting. Um, I'm just thinking how to answer this. What we see is that waking 2 to 3 a.m. is a stress response. It's due typically to elevated levels, um, specifically actually of adrenaline, but could also be cortisol, that happen as a result of low blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So a blood sugar drops across the night. Maybe we, like maybe our blood sugar is just not stable and we can't stabilize that. We're not good at storing glycogen for use later while we are asleep. Maybe we didn't eat a good enough meal for dinner. Or we had too many carbs or we ate too early before dinner. Um, but that blood sugar obviously drops overnight because we're not eating. And if it gets too low, like to a dangerous level, our body is going to release adrenaline and cortisol to increase blood sugar. So it typically is a stress response, but it's a result of like it's a nutritional stress as opposed to a mental stress. For most people, of course, it's not. We can't say black and white and every single time, but majority of the time that's what we see. So... Why is it then when we wake up at, you know, was it, yeah, this is the second part to this question. Well, not the second part. This is a question on the back of that. Yeah. So why is it when then we wake up at two or three in the morning that we're like, oh, shit, did I do this? Did I, what, what, what have I got to do? Like all of those things come into our mind. And how does that, like if we are someone who's living, say, you know, we're right into the pro-metabolic lifestyle, we are eating balanced meals all throughout the day, um, but we have a really high level of stress where, you know, work is chaotic. Um, we've got relationship troubles, you know, like all of the, like we've got things attacking us from all the different levels. How do we know if it is a mental or a physical thing? If we're waking in the morning? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the morning, but like two or three in the morning. Um, so it's tricky. A lot, And of course, we need to look at an individual situation because everyone is very unique and specific. And if we have an individual in front of us, we're going to be able to pull more pieces of their life and get a really complete picture. Mm -hmm. um, but let's, in this situation, typically if we've got a lot of the mental stress, most of the time that makes it really hard for us to fall asleep. Um, and then once we fall asleep, if we do wake up at that 2 or 3 a.m., and it is in response to blood sugar. If we have a high stress load in our life, that brain can just kick straight in once we've once we're awake. So it's like people will think that's what's going on because you wake up and then the brain starts. The first thing typically that happens is you're like, oh, it's the middle of the night. Oh, 
I should be getting a few more hours sleep. I can't fall back to sleep. And then the brain starts going and then it's like, fuck, oh, I've got all these things. Oh, I've got to remember to do that thing. I've got to remember to do, to do that thing. And then we start going through that mental to-do list and all of the mental stress that is actually there for us. And that's going to increase our stress levels and keep us awake. So it's it can be hard to differentiate. But for me as well, it's like, well, either way, what we want to do is be really reducing the stress in all areas of your life. This is the work that we do, both you and I do with our clients on every single level. So Let's look at your nutrition and the practical piece. Do you need a little snack before you go to bed? <laughs> yes, I, I do. <laughs> Great. Let's get that in. And then if you wake up in at two or three in the morning, go and have a little snack, like get something in because that's going to take care of the nutritional piece. But if we've also got a lot of mental stuff going on, we're going to want to have stress management practices, whatever that looks like. It's different for everyone. But even just something as simple as a brain dump before you go to bed. So everything that's in your head, just get it out on a piece of paper, just vomit it, word vomit it. And then when you're done, put a line underneath it, close the book, put it away, go to bed. And that just, it gives you this sense of safety because you're not going to forget it. It's written down. And in the morning, I'm going to pick it up and read it. And I'm going I'm to remember everything. So I can rest now. And you can do the same thing if you wake up in the middle of the night and you've had a snack and you still can't go back to sleep. Do another brain dump, especially if that brain starts kicking in. Take that mental stress load out so that the body can come closer to a place of relaxation. Um, when you said that line underneath it, it's like a visceral thing as well. Like yeah. it's satisfying, like yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. It's like you're closing off that day and you can pick it up tomorrow. It's all there for you. All on the piece of paper. You're not going to forget anything. Yeah. Realistically, I've got, um, one of my clients got married and she had a little bit of a freak out the day before and her bridesmaids sat her down and they did the list. They're like, what needs to be done? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and she was saying to me, you know, everything was, we had 30 lists around the house. Like everyone knew what they had to do. Um, and then I spoke to her a little while later and she was like, not, not everyone did know what they needed to do. We actually needed to sit there and write the list and it reminded a couple of people of their job. So it also came in handy later that, you know, even if you do think that you're going to, you know, it is all there or whatever, maybe something might come up that, you know, you do need later. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay, last but not least, are you ready? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, face, I'm like, what has she got for me? <laughs> Protein only matters if you go to the gym. No, not at all. I would say. Where it's... was my grunt or my grow? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, not at all. It definitely is very important if you go to the gym, but it doesn't matter whether you're in the gym or not. Every human body needs protein, carbohydrates, and fats. They have different roles in the body. So protein is um, it's used for growth and repair. It's broken down to amino acids and the body uses those amino acids to grow things and repair things. So this is why it's important if you are in a gym, because as you're breaking down your muscles with your training, you want to repair them really well so that they come back stronger, fitter, faster. So that's why it is big in that arena. But even if you're not in the gym, your body, you want your body to constantly be breaking down cells that are damaged, cells that are no longer functional, that aren't working well, cells that are just, you know, they're at their use by date. You want the body to be breaking that down and then repairing them, replacing them with new ones. If you are sick, part of that recovery of sick, of being sick requires the amino acids to repair and recover those cells. Um, 
it's yeah sick if you're injured if you've got a lot of stress like the amount of stress like and it's mental and emotional stress that creates huge damage within your cells so you need that protein to be able to support the repair and the recovery from that so it doesn't matter what you're doing if you're in and out of a gym what you're doing in the gym what other training you're doing if you're not training at all we all need protein it also plays a really key role like we just spoke about in stabilizing our blood sugar you're not going to have stable blood sugar if you're not eating protein. <laughs> Boom. There we have the end of the myth of the women's health oh, the edition. Protein is delicious. Like, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, look, carbs and fat are all delicious too, but yeah. Uh, and so are croissants, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like because it's a combination of protein, carb and fat. Absolutely. It's a balanced <laughs> meal in one. <laughs> um. I just had something really interesting there and now I've just lost my, anyway, I lost my train of thought. So this conversation has been so enlightening and so inspiring. I've got two more questions for you. Okay. What are two things that you tell to your 25 year old self? God, so many things. I think. (laughs) Well, where were you at 25? Paint the picture to it for us. I was really unhappy. I had a lot of pain, emotional pain in my earlier life. Um, And so, yes, everything that I did was from that pain place. I was trying to, like you said, right at the start, like we're all doing things. We all want to look and feel better. Right. And I was trying so hard to be happy. um, And I just didn't know the avenues and I didn't have the right support or the right people around me. So but I did the best I could with the information that I had. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was so unhappy. And so I think some of the things that I would tell the 25 year old version of me, I think first is <laughs> like eat. <laughs> just crazy, eat, eat crazy. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eat more. Um, and oh God, there's so many things, but spend more of your time on being happy than on trying to look good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Make that the priority because that's what you're searching for anyway, right? It just wasn't a conversation that because I think like 25 was really pinnacle for me and I was fucking miserable. I had a lot of family stuff going on and obviously just navigating being 25 as well. Yeah. Um. And that's when I was deep in all the hormonal stuff, the CrossFit stuff, all of the things, because that's what you're told, like exercise is really good for your mental health. Eating well is really good for your mental health. Do do the thing and you'll be happy. We weren't fucking happy. No. no. That's Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, And that's where I was kind of going much earlier where I was like I had this perfect body, but I was the most unhappy, like, like the best I've ever looked from society standards was the saddest, the loneliest, the most frustrated that I've ever felt, the most isolated. So, and it's not, we, we have that around the wrong way. Whereas if we actually spend a lifetime working to accept ourselves, um, working to be happy, like to know who we are and do the things that actually bring us joy and bring us peace, then we're actually like, then we have everything that we want. And on the back end of that, it's like, then you're actually going to look the best that you could. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's that way, not the other way around. 
Uh, what are the things that bring Brooke peace, happiness and peace? Um, I mean, food. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it's really interesting, right? Because I I spent a lifetime thinking that I wanted to be happy because I was unhappy. And what I realized not that long ago, maybe in the last five years or so, was that actually what I wanted was peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what gives me peace? Like it's so simple, like time in nature, mm-hmm. sitting under a tree, going on a bushwalk, sitting at the beach, um, staring up at the night sky, like just spaciousness, mm-hmm. nature, um, time with my family, like especially like nieces and nephews, but it's not necessarily peaceful. Um, yeah. <laughs> very joyful. <laughs> um, and really it's, like, you know, things like time in nature or, you know, can do a beautiful breathwork practice or something that's peaceful. But it's more the fact that I've done such deep healing, such deep trauma work, and I know the things that I need to feel good physically and mentally. So I have I've gotten rid of a lot of the pain that's there and I take practical steps every day to support my health on all the levels. And so I live in this state of peace that I never knew was possible before. There's definitely more. I don't live like a monk at all. And I, I no, no, no. frustrated and I have bad days and all of that, but underneath there is such a deeper level of peace. And even if I get thrown off track, it's so much easier to come back. I have a little tantrum and then I'm like, all right, we're okay here. Like the world's not ending. We're good. Um, And so it is, it's doing the work, like really doing the inner work. I told you this would come up, but I was like, this is probably what I want to have our second episode about, like really like that um, journey into doing the work, how you started, who you studied, you know, or how you allowed the work to come to fruition. Because I also think when we talk about doing the work, that's a real inside language you don't know what the work is unless you're doing the work and so someone on the outside is like that sounds like work I don't want to do the work (laughs) (laughs) and you know what it is work but living without that was so much harder like the pain of not exploring those things and not bringing light to those parts that needed healing and having the courage to actually feel those feelings and work through those feelings and create new experiences and boundaries or whatever it is. Um, or it's just easier than living in, in the pain of not having any of that. It's so Absolutely. much easier. But again, it's, you know, I remember when it's probably late twenties, I don't have a great relationship with my dad. We're, you know, we're working through it. And I remember someone asking me questions around that and, I was like, I I made the connection with um, if I hated him and his wife, like hate is this really powerful feeling. So if I hated him, I was in the power. I had the power. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that's not. A- <laughs> and I remember that first time that clicked. I'm like, oh, that's not a good thing to be powerful in. Yeah. Um, and, and then working pretty- through that. Yeah. And going, oh, this is so much better than <laughs> what I thought was the power. Yeah. And it's less different kind of levels of power, right? Like we think um, there's like power over, which mm-hmm. is what you would have been referring to. If I hate you, I can I have this power over you. So it's like I'm better than. It's like the negative mm-hmm. side of that rather than, no, I can. If I'm actually in my power, 
there's I'm not going to waste time like trying to I don't need to power over anyone it's like yeah it doesn't need to be a control I don't I'm not trying to win anything I'm actually really sovereign and I'm good here this is what the power is it's not to do with anyone outside of me no it's one of my favorite words sovereignty self-sovereignty love it it hits differently (laughs) um okay last question two books or podcasts you're loving at the moment um I am actually reading a lot of fiction lately like I read I'm one of those people who has like four books on the go at once yeah same (laughs) (laughs) and I find um because I read a lot for work so a lot of uh if it's science hormones um psychology stuff that can be quite heavy like it's not good bedtime reading because then it gets my brain going that's where I love a good fiction um so but I haven't there's no fiction that I would recommend right now like that's blowing my socks away but in terms of podcast like Huberman yeah just love Huberman podcast obviously like just learned so much from all of his and I love the way that he presents the information like he's just yeah I think he's nailed it um and do you know what this is so funny I literally just discovered that my sister has a podcast like a few days ago (laughs) I didn't even know this my sister's an amazing astrologer and um yeah, she's incredible. And yeah, I just realized a few days ago, she has a podcast. So I've been binging that. I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. I, this is how I love to receive information. I don't, don't want to sit and read an email. I want to listen to a podcast. So share it with us. Kelly's Kelly's Astrology. Cool. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's awesome. So that's really, okay. just started to binge on that. And I've also been binging um, this woman who I do work around the like sacred feminine with, um, Elaine Kalila, I've been binging her podcast lately. It's the Red podcast. It's really awesome. So if you're interested, Red is in, in the anything, color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything around like the archetypal stuff? Gosh, it's amazing. All right, I'm gonna go and look into those. Yeah, yeah. Red podcast. Yeah, she's on Spotify. Kelly's astrology is on Spotify, and obviously Huberman's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was told about this podcast on the weekend. It's Elaine from. Seinfeld can't remember her actual name yeah uh just popped in my head but popped straight out again Julia Julia Louis-Dreyfus yeah so she has a podcast called wiser than her or something like that but basically she interviews all of these older women like the first episodes with Jane Fonda and my god yeah basically has the conversation that you and I are having of like you know what would you tell your younger self what's worthwhile what's not because again I think men, the part of the ethos is men are celebrated as they get older and women are kind of forgotten about and unseen. Um, And, you know, Jane talks about how she regrets getting as much plastic surgery she's got and um, attributes all of her, like where she is now physically to all of the work she did, like on her exercises and stuff like that, leading into um, like all through her life, not just now kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah re- I'm, I, that's the podcast I'm binging at the moment. I think you, you will also really love it. Yeah, that sounds epic. I am so right. excited to go and listen to that. And, of course, like she's hilarious. Both of those women are hilarious, but um, they're so modest. Like it's not you'd think it was two friends sitting down having coffee. Like it was a really beautiful conversation. Oh, I love that. And I just mm. I love that there is more and more of these conversations happening and especially – you know, there's not, we don't have great examples of women in midlife. We don't have great examples of women in their 40s, 50s and beyond. Um, it, it's 
slowly starting to change, but it's like, we are the ones who have to be those examples. So I love when we have these women who have been in the public eye, um, who are sharing their story and sharing, like really coming into their power at that time and being able to reflect on their life and have that hindsight and to show us their journey of kind of where they've come from and where they're settling into that power. It's so fucking inspiring. Absolutely. And I mean, who was it that recently? Pamela Anderson. She went, she's gone to a couple of events without makeup and I've seen her photo be shared quite a bit lately. And I'm like, the women who are sharing her photo, are you going to go to an event without makeup on? Like, like you just said, we have to lead by example. If this is something that you genuinely want, you have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And that is so scary, right? Like I get that. Yeah. But I know she's been, I've seen a bit of Pamela in the last few months and it's been awesome to see. I'm like, oh my she God. She is amazing. But I also think like the reason that Pamela is glowing so much, radiant, sorry, is so radiant is because she's had that traumatic life. She has been yeah. dragged through the ringer a thousand times over. She has been criticized and burnt at the stake. And now she's like, nah, this is me. <laughs> this is who I am. That you've literally thrown your worst at me take it or leave it yeah and I just have goosebumps as you're saying that because it's like the um one of my mentors you know she speaks about is that really can you hear that the gardener's back okay good um she says she doesn't use the phrase menopause she it's the power stage of life right and just what you shared and because it's a reality like we are we have the capacity to be our most powerful we don't know that and we're still stuck in all these old conditions and ideals and we haven't fully transitioned into queen. So most of us don't experience that power. And it's really hard to experience that power if your hormones are fucking haywire. But, here, you know, what you just shared about Pamela, it's like she is standing in that queen. She's like, I don't care. Like, this is me and I'm good. Do your worst because I'm good. It's, it's literally like, the oh. midpoint of life. Like if you're going to give up at menopause or say this is all downhill from here, yeah. You've essentially still got half your life left. Yeah. And it's the best part of your life. Like what a lot of people don't realize is that your eros actually increases across your life. So a lot of people think, oh, like from a sexual perspective, even just down to my sexuality and sensuality, as well as me actually physically having sex, that's all kind of out the window now that I'm, you know, menopausal or old. It's like, no, on an energetic level, you actually, that can be the most expansive time possible. And you're the most free. Like you don't have to worry about getting pregnant. You don't have to worry about all of these responsibilities. You actually just get to be fully sovereign and fully free and just start to live this life totally unencumbered to other people. So this is the best time of your life, but you have to. This is why I'm so passionate about the work that we do. You've got to set that up. You can't, you don't want to wait till you're 50 or 60 and go, oh, like it doesn't just fall in your lap. It's like you have to set that up. So, and ideally we'd be setting it up from when we first start bleeding. Like when we, the day we get our period, the education starts and we set ourselves up. None of us had that because it wasn't available in Western cultures at that time, but it's coming out now and it is up to us to take that responsibility, to get ourselves educated, to start making the changes now. And I say, the earlier you start, the better, but you're never too late to start. So if you're 65, start today if this is the first time you're hearing about it. If you're 80, start today. If you're 40, start today. If you're 25, start today because whatever you do, and it's the earlier you get it, you're going to make that transition on a physical and emotional level so much smoother. The earlier you start, 
the less shame and guilt that you have to work through. Like yeah. again, I, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but um, I know a lot of the older women that I work with, like there's just so much to unpack. Whereas it's almost if you're in that pre-phase, you're really setting yourself up rather than unpacking. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're either going to start the journey with seven decades of shit or you could start with two or three. Like, yeah, exactly. But if you're at the seven decades and this is the first you're hearing, you start now. Like, you don't, <laughs> like please Absolutely. Start. Yeah, yeah. And it's not also, I believe, and I'm sure you do as well, like you don't have seven decades to undo. There'll be one really big string that you can pull and it will pull like three decades at a time. Like we're not yeah. actually having to go through seven decades of shit. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Is there anything else you would like to say, Brooke? I mean, so much. <laughs> but wait, that would be like multiple podcasts. I think just one, um, maybe and a good thing to end with, is really just this like one of the myths, right, is that we're the same. And we have kind of touched on this. And we know that things change on a physical level. We know our bodies change as we get older, but we don't really put that together or let that land that things change and they really change like across all our different life stages every decade is different but especially as we start to go late 30s 40s and then beyond um and so if we really get that that we're not the same and that things are changing and that 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 is inevitable then we can really understand that our approach has to change with that you know, so often women will come to me and they're like, 40, 50, I don't understand, like my body's changing and all the things that I that used to work for me is no longer working. It's like, of course it's not because that worked for a different person. It worked for a different body. It worked for a different time. And so it is that thing of um, insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. It's like you're in a different environment. We have to change what we're doing. So yeah, I think that's just a good place to leave. Like there's a million rabbit holes we could go down from there. But if you are in that place where you're like, all of these things in terms of food and exercise and lifestyle, they're not working for me anymore. It's like, yeah, that's just a sign we just need to shake it up. Probably can just be like a two or three millimeter shift in a lot of places, but shifting it towards something that's actually supporting your changing physiology, as well as your changing mental and emotional state. And that's going to support you so much better as you move forward. And actually gearing you towards where you want to go rather than just thinking that you're on the freeway and you don't really know where your turn off is kind of thing. And it, and be excited about the fact that it changes, right? Like people, you know, they'll come to me and say these things and I'm like, would you want to be 25 again? I'm like, hell no. That is a hard Oh, no. Part. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, that's that part of our life is done. We got the juice from that. There's so much juice for us to come, but not if you're a 50-year-old trying to be a 25-year-old. You're going to miss it. Absolutely. So then one little question on the end. Like where do, where do we start? If we have ne if you've never heard of the work that Brooke and I have done before or maybe you've binged everything that Brooke and I have ever spoken about, what's the first thing that we do? I get the feeling that Brooke doesn't get silenced very often. So when she's just like, this is the second time that I've silenced her. Like, yes. 
<laughs> her brain is running a million miles an hour, like all these different yeah. directions. Because it all, again, it depends on the individual, like where are they starting from? Um, the first thing we do is start with something. And I get that that's very broad. Um, I think for everything, support is key. Like get yourself support, get yourself educated, whatever that looks like. Reach out to Mel, reach out to me, reach out to anyone in your field who is talking about this sort of stuff and see how you can work with them, see how you can learn from them. Or just like you said, binge their stuff and put stuff into action. Because I know both you and I, Mel, we put so much out through our socials like if you just followed my Instagram, you would be sweet, right? There's so much there that you can do. Um, but just pick one thing. Like it can feel really overwhelming if you're like, well, I've got to change all of these things. I don't know where to start. Pick one thing. Start having breakfast. I don't know. Start there. Um, if you're good go with that. Bone broth, go make some bone broth and have a bone bone broth and a piece of fruit for breakfast. That's where you're going to start. Yeah. Look at the stress in you. Like the biggest thing really is we want to reduce stress in our lives. So you could literally just do a stress stock take, look at all of the different stresses in your life and then start to workshop them to see, can I get rid of these completely? Can I delegate them? Can I have conversations so that we can find a compromise around them so that it reduces it? What are the ways that I can just ease the stress on my body? And that's going to have a really big impact. And look at physical stress, mental stress, emotional stress, monetary stress, relationship stress, environmental stress, all of the different stresses and just start to make some positive changes towards those. I know also that even if you do start to make positive changes in one, they it's a, they have a flow on effect. So again, yeah. you don't need to go in and look at all of those stress and go, fuck, where do I start? Yeah, yeah. One. It all has a flow on effect. Yeah, massively, yeah. massively. And don't discount the inner work so the stuff around like just start setting boundaries you know like look at the things in your life and this is a really good time of year to do it because everyone is overwhelmed everyone is doing so much they're committing to things they don't want to be doing so you just start to look at that and go how do I want to do this differently like how do I want to it's a really good example how do I want to feel in the lead up to Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate at this time of year how do I, who do I want to be at that time? And no one wants to be a stressed out fucking raving lunatic, right? Who's screaming at her kids and snapping at her husband. No one wants to be that. So I go, okay, well, what needs to change so that you don't feel so overwhelmed that that's how you're acting? It's understandable. We've all been there, but take some of that pressure off, delegate some, or just be like, we don't do that anymore. This is not how we're doing Christmas. When I'm not going to do 50 things, we're going to do one. And then be really conscious of how you'd like the energy that you're bringing into that and coming back to how did I want to experience this? Oh, I want to be present. I want to be loving and generous and kind. It's like, cool, connect in with those feelings before you go into any of these experiences so that you're reminding yourself of who you want to be in those times. <laughs> exactly we need <laughs> yeah exactly Queen's not burning herself to the ground and the hope that you know all of her um what's it called when they've got like a kingdom servants or subordinates not, or um like, like the, the people of her, the people of the yeah. land <laughs> <laughs> um you know she's not burning herself to the ground so that the people of the land are happy it's you know yeah, yeah she's set in her ways yeah and if she doesn't want to go to a ball she's not going to a fucking ball she's like i'm not going yeah. Tell them what you want. I don't care. I'm not going. Yeah. 
Um, my mum did something really interesting this Christmas. We weren't, we were all supposed to be away and now we're not, we are going to be all together. And my brother was like, yeah, we'll come to you in the morning. And then we're going to go to um, his wife's place for Christmas. And mum's like, no, I'm not having people do two locations on Christmas day. It's shit driving. It's, you know, you're rushing one meal. You're not wanting it. Like, no, pick yeah. one. And if you like, if you are going to go to both and we're not hosting Christmas because I'm not having you go from one place to the other. I'm like, whoa, mom. <laughs> I love that though. Because yeah. it's a, such a better experience for everyone when Nobody it's just can. one. Yeah. They need two. It's too much. You're not going to go to two Sunday lunches on any other Sunday of the year. So why yeah. are you doing it on Christmas day? Yeah. 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 Anyway. It's been such a pleasure. I will link all of your socials. I will link the podcast that you've spoken about um, and anything else that I think is necessary in the show notes. But thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. I loved it. It was awesome.